Hello, everyone, and welcome to our new edition of Scrapbook, the podcast dedicated to all things digital art. I'm your host, Michaela Colonna, and uh, today's guest is San Francisco-based artist uh, Gary Edward Blum. Uh, welcome to the show, Gary. Uh, thanks for having me. Good to spend some time with you today. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this conversation, Gary. You know, I had a really enjoyed the last few days, really digging deep and, you know, getting, uh, you know, getting more familiar with your work, with your art. Um, you know, I followed you throughout the, at least the very la the last two years, uh, you know, collecting your work, uh, researching your work, you know, getting familiar with it. And uh, there's so many qualities to it, right? There's a, you know, first and foremost, from my, from my perspective, there's a, a lasting element to it. There's a, almost like a visual consistency, right? That, uh, uh, it seems like a what it seems to me like a quiet, slow progression that is methodical, that is well thought out, and um, and there, you know something sobering about the visual, uh, the overall visual experience of the of the body of work. So uh, so super excited to like really dig deep into the uh, into the vision, you know, the thesis, the uh, uh, you know the the plans for you know for the for the future as far as the the work is concerned. We also have um, a few questions that have come from the from the audience. Some of our friends, you know, they actually some of them are fellow uh, artists as well, you know. Um, like Lily uh, Illa from Australia that sent us the question, which I want to start from because her question pertains to your early years. So I think it's a great place uh, to start. You know, you know, Lily, right? You're familiar with Lily. Yeah. Right? Yeah. She's, yeah, yeah. She's one of my, my newest, uh, crushes, uh, art. <laughs> I love that. I should say, um, yeah. I, I love her work and I actually listened to, um, the scrapbook episode with, yeah. with her on it, um, which I, I just loved. I loved it. Yeah, hear. that was a great conversation. Yeah, she was a, she was my guest about, I would say, maybe a couple of months ago. Yeah. And um, an amazing human, an amazing talent. Um, I've been, yeah, I started collecting her about a year ago, and uh, I've been really, really enjoying watching her progression. So, so yeah, fantastic. So, she had, so uh, let's start with Lily's question. The first one is, this. it's two parts, right? The first one is, is a is a collector of life's artifacts. Did you collect things as a boy? And if so, what? What did you collect? Well, I actually wasn't much of a, a collector as a kid. Um, that probably didn't start till I was a little bit older, maybe um, college. Uh, even then, I was I was more of a collector of my own history. I guess um, I have a I have a terrible memory, so I I started to kind of tape things to my wall. Um, that became a way of seeing my own recorded visual history, a way of kind of remembering things that I had done, things that kind of inspired me. And I, I actually stole that idea from my, my nono, my grandfather. As a kid, I, would, I loved going to, to his house. He, he was a merchant marine um, and immigrated to San Francisco from Italy, probably in the, the later oh, wow. 30s. Oh, wow. Um, Didn't I know that? Yeah, when, when my both my grandparents actually immigrated here, um, but after my um, my nana passed away, uh, he kind of went full on eccentric bachelor artist guy. But he was he was kind of he was kind of a quiet guy at least with with us kids. But his house was like some kind of museum turned into some like this museum of oddities. So he started to kind of make you know driftwood sculptures and wow. paint them and put googly eyes on them and some were just these kind of abstract wood things and his walls were covered with photographs 
postcards, various memorabilia from his life. He would, you know, catch a mouse and skin it and put the, the mouse pelt over, over like a walnut shell and put little eyes on it. And that would be like on the dinner table. You have like <laughs> leopard, leopard skin, you know, lamps and green shag carpet. These like colored, you know, ornate colored glass bowls with candy in the cabinets and ornate bottles of booze. And the other thing he loved to do was you'd have random things around and he would say, I borrowed these from the local supermarket, but we came to realize that he was a bit of a kleptomaniac in his later years. He wow. would go and, you know, take things and bring them home. Right, like right, he right. have multiples of, of, you know, packages of band-aids or something. But the best might've been his collection of faded stuffed animals that were in the front window of his apartment. You could see from yeah. the street, the, the biggest, the main one was this massive pink teddy bear uh, in the in the center of it all. So that definitely left an impression on me, um, not only um, as an artist, but like this idea that life didn't have to be normal, quote unquote. Right, right, right. Might actually be better that way. But it, it wasn't until college that I realized how I treated my studio walls um, and the things that I collected or the idea of collecting was really based on him. Wow. Uh, so he's, he, so he was a very early influence and a lasting influence in your life, it sounds like. Yeah, he was a very, a very dynamic person. I think I also got a lot of um, my interest in travel was from him, you know, being a merchant marine. I wish I got to, you know, talk to him more in depth, but I was, you know, I was maybe... 16 or so when he passed so i wasn't i was a pretty shy kid and he was kind of a, a more reserved you know guy so i wish i would have talked to him more about it but he i know that yeah. he traveled a lot and that was you know i would see things on the walls from you know images from like africa that that he had so his walls were filled with those sort of those images back and so like i was saying one i don't know it just kind of struck me one day like oh my god this is this my walls and my studio look exactly like Nano's kitchen. <laughs> no, just covered with this stuff. Yeah, um, I think my taste is a little better than his. But right, 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 right. right. <laughs> well, um, listen, the, the next generation always doing better than the other, even in taste, right? Yeah. Um, but but he caught you in in your most formative years, right? So that's when you are sure. most impressionable, right? So you know it's an influence you can't escape, right? And it's uh, it, you know you carry throughout did he did he yeah. settle in san francisco uh right away or did he yeah, like... so he he initially wanted to um he thought he was going to settle in seattle because that was one of the main ports that they would go to um but i guess he was talking with someone and said no 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 you need to you need to you need to settle in san francisco it's a better place maybe more cosmopolitan at the time um, so that's what he eventually did. And he brought um, my my grandma from Italy um, to San Francisco. And we still have actually one of a, a picture on my wall, a really cool, cool image of them. Um, maybe one of their first days in, San, uh, in actually when they landed in, um, they, they came to New York first and they're all dressed up with the with the fedoras and, the you know, they, they really dressed well in those days. You know, and so I guess someone was taking pictures and we have a snapshot of the two of them when they when they first got here, which is pretty amazing. Wow, that's amazing. And uh, so you were saying it, it, it didn't start until you were like 16 or 17 when you 
started collecting or or wasn't it really never a big thing a no, big part of your life that's he he that's what, probably the time when when um he passed away it wasn't until it wasn't until college i wasn't i mean as a kid um i definitely was a creative that was creative person that was something that i really identified with but it wasn't until college that i really started to um, flourish as an artist, I would say. So that's kind of gotcha. where that all, um, kind of the collecting of memorabilia and of, of objects and things and, and, um, like that recorded, you know, my own recorded visual history, I guess, that I started yeah. to kind of amass. You know, markings of time, right. In in your lifespan, right. That I guess, you know, eventually you, you figured they would make their way into the art at some point, right. Um, yes, for sure. For sure. And so the second part of uh, Lily's question is, uh, you exercise a beautiful restraint in your minimalist compositions, and yet you seem to hold such a deep attachment to ephemera and artifacts. How do you balance those two aspects of yourself? uh, And what is your thought process when composing your work with this in mind? (laughs) That's a good question. Um, question. Well, I would say I, I try and strip down my my compositions to really what's what's necessary um i mean this is taking quite some time i've been doing this for a while but my my earlier work was actually filled with a lot of color a lot of you know voluminous objects i did you know a lot of things that i would collect at that time maybe i was really into collecting old spoons keys um, railroad ties um, a lot of things that that you know, actually would kind of collect and dry flowers um, and paint those, everything that kind of was rusty or old. And those were, you know, had significant weight to them um, as, a, as a painted object. So um, for those of you listening and don't know um, my work offhand, I, uh, my paintings are, are trompe l'oeil paintings. So they look photorealistic. Um, they look like, you know, if I were to paint a spoon on canvas, it would look like it was just sitting there floating in space to drop shadows. Um, and then um, my background in graphic design, I would do a lot of typography. So there would be color, there would be objects, there would be typography. I, I was very interested in definitions. So my painting, earlier paintings would have a definition of a word, maybe stillness. Um, relinquish or, you know, words that kind of had meaning, heavier meaning to them that was trying to, I was trying to add to the narrative of the painting. But over the years, I started to kind of strip that all away. Um, And that's kind of started, um, I got my master's at Berkeley um, in 2002. Um, And during that time, I really started to kind of um, work towards abstraction. Uh, it was a time that I really, I, earlier on, I, I wasn't really that into the, the history of art or really studying influences and things like that. But when I got, when I was at Berkeley, I really started to dive into particularly abstraction, minimalism, abstract expressionism. And that's a, it's a place, it was a place in time where they really wanted you to experiment um, with your work. Um, and at, at that time, just kind of painting realism was kind of a no-no. It was like, oh my God, you're just like, right, right, right. Realism is isn't really art, you know. Abstraction yeah, is yeah. where it's well, at. it felt dated more than anything, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was yeah. more of a more of a technique. Um, yeah. 
which I, which I did agree with, you know, realism can be, or, or I kind of think of realism and trompe the way that I would use it in painting. It is, it is a tool of expression. Um, yeah. And it's a, it's an amazing foundational, right. Element, right. To. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I love it. I, it, it's something that is, it's kind of one of the first things that I was, I recognize that, wow, I'm, I'm actually good at this. I can, right, 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 I can, right, right. I can, I can paint something on a canvas, walk by it and make myself like double take, like, wait, is that okay? That's, that's, that's exciting. But so that, at that time, my, my work started kind of moving from the realism being kind of the center, center focus to kind of being more abstract and the quiet space around the objects. Um, there's a kind of a grid system within my, the backgrounds of my work. Um, there's a built up history in the backgrounds. Um, I'll paint layers underneath different various colors and paint marks that I'll, you know, then I'll put paint over that. I'll sand through it. So you kind of see the, the pentimenti building up within the background. Um, so that kind of became more and more important to me, um, which is still kind of still exists to today. Um, I would, I would say that, that idea. Um, but as far as, as collecting, collecting objects for me, um, it has a place in my life is my, in my day-to-day -day life as, as a way of remembering things, time, a place or a, a smell, but, but my art is trying to pare those ideas down into, into like a moment, something that's not overwhelming, something that's calm and peaceful, but also imbued with power and weight and a, a sense of, of history. And uh, Gary, the, the the transition from you know realism to um, abstract expressionism was that uh, mostly because of the prompt from the from the faculty from the programs at school, or is it because you always like, or because your own personal growth, like like meaning it was like a, a a meeting of the two, right? The professors kind of prompting you to do so, and then you being ready. To sort of you know move on to the to the next phase of your of your work right of your art. I think that that's exactly what it was. Um, and I had a I had a, a very poignant um, studio visit with one of my my favorite professors at the time, and I was already kind of well. A couple things happened. Number one, I, I started getting into like I mentioned the, the history of art and kind of the 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 higher ideas of art and I, I kind of felt realism I, I I I enjoyed doing it I still do but people I started noticing people were kind of getting obsessed with the technique of painting trompe so they were they weren't asking me about the ideas of the artwork they were, they were asking me how how do you do this how do you paint this instead of the why um, so that was kind of my first clue that I was I was kind of interested in something more with my artwork. And one day when I had a studio visit um, with this professor and I was still I was still doing definitions in the background, um, typography in the background. And it really struck me, she, she said, why are you trying to tell me what this work is about? You're, you are, you're saying this is relinquish. She's like, why don't, you, why don't you let the painting express that instead of you telling me with a word what this painting means. And that to me really stuck. And it made me think, okay, there's something more I wanna do with my, with my work, um, something deeper. Uh, so the first thing I did was I just completely stopped putting definitions in my work, which was at the time a really big thing because I'd been showing or was showing in galleries 
for at that time for maybe four or five years. And typography was one of the big elements of my work, what people liked about my work and what people wanted to collect, you know, my physical paintings. So it was a big deal for me to kind of get rid of those things. But it, what it did, it really made me kind of focus on the backgrounds, um, focus on the what else there was to kind of investigate in the work um, and make that more responsive to the viewer. And one way that I did that was I started to introduce abstraction um, in the way of I would, I noticed one day, like I'm, I'm painting, you know, the top kind of trompe part, I would mark make on the walls, you know, mixing my palettes and mixing colors on the wall. And I looked down one day and I was like, holy shit, that's amazing. Like it had this freshness and it, I, you know, it had this freedom and, you know, here I am painting, you know, dust spots on a piece of paper up here trying to like make the perfect photorealistic composition right right but wait a minute this is way cooler down here so what yeah. i thought was like and this kind of goes into you know the idea of duality which i love in my work um i'm going to put the realism of the trompe l'oeil in this kind of top quadrant but that i'm also going to paint the kind of abstraction and mark making below so as I'm painting the realism, I will also leave the mark making and the visual progress, the color palettes, the mistakes in the bottom. So you can kind of have these two things in the same painting. So that's the kind of was, I think in 2010, it was actually the, the year after my father passed away. Um, I did this show called The Long Year, and it was all these paintings that kind of reflected on, on that idea. I mean, there was more, there was a lot of other things happening in the work, but the main idea being, being this realism and abstraction um, kind of happening in the work that got a lot of, a lot of praise. It was one of my most successful shows. Wow. Is there, are there, is there a record of it? Are there, um, pictures, is there a catalog that, uh, you know, we could reference at some point? I'm sure it's somewhere online. Um, I don't know if I have any of that work on my website and I, I may, I can't, I'm terrible with updating my website. Yeah. I, I think I might, it was, it was a while back, so I might have newer work, um, but I do have catalogs of, of some of that work, um, still. Yeah, I'd love to see it at some point. Sounds sounds very interesting. It's the long year, the long years. The long year. And the if long you, year, you, yeah. can, you can I'm sure if you now I'm sure if you if you look it up or you can yeah. find it in my my bio, my resume. Yeah. I think it was two thousand. I definitely will, yeah. You could find the work. Yeah. And some of and my so, for me, some of my if I may say, some of yeah. my my most um uh some of my best work, I think. Yeah. I think. Oh, great. Fantastic. Good to know. I'll definitely check it out. Uh, and at that stage now, Gary, you were, I mean, you were committed to a life in the arts, right? At that point you, you had set out to, you know, to, to be an artist, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, in like you were, you were an experiment, like you were in like, well, I'm going to, you know, give it a shot, try being an artist. Like at that point you were, you were committed to being, to being. Yes, an for sure. Yeah. For sure. I, I think in, I, I was working in graphic design. I had, um, I had my own, my own business as a graphic designer. I would do my own work. I would do freelance. But in 2000, I quit all of that. Uh, that's when I went to India. Um, then I, when, I, when I came back, um, well, kind of before that, I, I thought I might want to be, I might want to teach. Um, because when I, was, when I was in high school, I was fortunate enough for my, my high school art teacher to tell me, oh, you should be an artist. You should go to school, study art. 
And as a kid, I, I, my parents were working class, like college wasn't necessarily like a big thing to kind of, you know, tell me about or, or, or make sure that I do it. So to have, to have someone do that and kind of push me in that direction really, really got me into being an artist. So I thought, okay, I, I, that was very influential and very understanding in a way that kind of pushed me into the world of art. Um, but when I, when I started kind of deciding I would do that, I, I kind of got very selfish. And I literally went to go the first day that I was going to get my teacher's teaching certificate starting the classes. I, I basically did one class and then just bailed. I was like, I want to get a master's. I want to get a master's. I want to see if I can be an artist. Like there was something calling. Maybe it was my, my grandfather speaking to me like, no, you don't want to, you don't want to go into the path of like nine to five. You want to go in this other direction. So that's what I did. Got a master's. Um, and I mean, I'd, I'd been showing before that even, um, but getting the master's was, was a way of kind of building my resume and, and right, kind of right, right. step forward to kind of having a, being a, having a, having a life of being an artist. And Gary, at that time, were you, were you exclusively painting or were you also, uh, doing photography? At that time it was strictly painting. Photography is very new to me. It, I didn't, I, I, I mean, I always took photographs, yeah, I mean, yeah. but that was for my own personal use. Which yeah. I actually really um, enjoyed. I didn't. I didn't start. Photography didn't become part of my practice as far as like galleries go and things that I would show until around 2016 when I when I was in a residency here um, called Headland Center for the Arts. Uh, that's just um, in uh, across the Golden Gate Bridge. There's a, a program out there that um, you apply for and. While I was right. there, it was when photography really kind of took hold. Yeah. Is that by Sausalito or Tiburon yeah, or yeah, Marine? Exactly. Sausalito mm -hmm. out um, out by the water. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, spectacular place. Yeah. Yeah. I would, if, if anyone's listening and they are an artist that want to go apply to a place um, uh, to do residencies, it's called Headlands Center for the Arts. And it's, it's an amazing experience. Very difficult to get into um, now, but it's it's really wonderful. Um, Gary, the um, let's talk about the the Zine project. You just so you just uh, published it, right? It, it, did you publish it, or or you just finished it and you're getting ready to publish it? Uh, it's finished. It's self published. So it's uh, okay. So so it's printed and it's ready to ship, or yeah. So it's it's I kind of um, it's been a very long process. Um, shipping and dealing with that has been pretty difficult to be honest. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been two years in the making and no, wow. Yeah. It's it a was labor of love, <laughs> labor, labor of love, uh, to say the least, um, shipping being the final hurdle and probably the most difficult hurdle. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been, I think. I've shipped around 150 of them now, not including yours. I see yours. Yeah, I, I, place <laughs> I, I can't wait. I can't wait to get it. You know, it's funny, um, Gary, because I was just talking to um, Space Case, ADHD, right? He's just put he just put one out and I yes. just got his as well. Uh, I don't know. It just feels like it's like zine season all of a sudden, right? It's uh, <laughs> You got yours already from him. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't get it yet. I ordered it. I didn't get it. But, you know, the idea, the idea of like, you know, the, the printed matter, right? Uh, you know, a, a book, right? A booklet, right? An, you know, an art, an art book, right? Booklet, uh, a zine, you want to call them that. Um, I just, I just love that idea. I just think it's, uh, you know, again, with collectible, you know, speaking of collectibles, right? 
uh, what better way to yeah, what better way to collect right in uh, in other formats? Yes, um, one of one of the I don't know if you, if it's technically something you collect. I, I guess it is, but but artist books are definitely one of the things that I that I will collect. As far as the the zine goes, um, since I do have a, a degree in graphic design, I spent many years, you know, working in that field. Um, and I still do things from time to time, but that idea, the, the, the idea of the book started um, during the pandemic, uh, which was probably like, maybe with a, a lot of artists, probably one of the most prolific times of my artistic life. Um, you know, I, I love books, particularly artist books. Yeah. Probably the one thing that I will never say no to if it's, if I see one that I want, um, I'll buy it. Uh, I think it's, immensely important for artists to have influences to refer to in your studio all by a book because if i see one one image that sparks something in my mind um i think it's worth buying yeah, um, i would agree with that yeah you know of course it has to look cool has to be well designed um because i like it as an object um, that's a big a big part of why i wanted to make this this piece so i had done a few experiments with oversized newsprint there's places you can go and print like newspapers like the size newspapers very oversized which which i love um i've done things with you know publishers like blurb but i wanted to make something that was properly printed um for color for color press on the big heidelbergs um, yeah. not, not digital, you know, you could smell the ink, you could smell the paper. So I got the, um, the idea in my head that I wanted to make something that reflect, reflected the, the threads that run through all the, the types of work that I do. So my design, my painting, photography, kind of manifesting itself in a physical piece that might be, you know, worthy of artistic merit on its own, you know, as a, as a beautiful object, as a thing that you can hold. So I just started playing around with images and layout on my computer, you know, very intuitive. And eventually I found a, a printer in Greece, um, a small family uh, owned operation through Instagram. I just kind of love what they were doing, the quality of it. I love the idea of a, you know, of a family run business. Yeah. Um, uh, and that, uh, that took over two years to, to do Wow, uh, being in Greece was, was definitely a hurdle, um, as far as getting, you know, color proofs. And we had some issues with, um, how the images were printed. Part of the, part of the problem was that a lot of my photographs have a dot pattern in them, um, as kind of the way that I. I um, process images to kind of give them that more of a vintage um, look, something more found. So right. if you're familiar with printing at all, you know, four color process has um, dot patterns. So all those dot yeah. patterns mixed together. Right. If you add a, a fifth layer, a fifth screen to that, you get something called a moray pattern. So that was causing havoc. So that took a long time to kind of figure out how to, to wow. <laughs> rectify that. Eventually we did figure it out. Yeah. Um, and, and the images look beautiful, you know, really, really happy um, with the final piece. Um, but it was it was definitely a, a process. 
Yeah. Did, did you have to go there and supervise at some point or, or you did everything remotely? I wish. I, I wish I would have. I could have <laughs> you know, gone. Yeah, take a trip to Greece. To, yeah. I mean, come on. You go all the way to Greece to you find a, a printer all the way in Greece. <laughs> it's like the least you could do is, uh, is go visit. I, right? should, I should have. I should have. No. It, I, so, I, wait. Was it was it because of the uh, the reputation of this particular print? There was nobody like closer, like in the States that would have uh, that would have had the facilities and the, and, and you know, no, the, there's the printers. There's a couple factors, not to get into the, to, to the minutia of, of doing this sort of thing, but it's a large piece. It's 11 by 15 inches. So, you know, very large. Oh, scale. I didn't um, know that. 11 by yeah, 15. So, yeah, it's, I mean, people can't see this, but, you know, it's it's this big. It's a, oh, it's it's a broad a big, sheet, yeah. It's a big thing, which is part of what I was kind of one of the initial ideas that I wanted. I just wanted it big because I, I love the idea of something large. I see the detail, the images that are in there are printed, like the the works on paper that are in the piece are printed actual size. So I wanted something big enough to have space around it, kind of like my my work. Yeah. Um, but with that, um, there is a huge expense once you start getting larger. Um, and places in the United States in particular, things are a lot more expensive. A lot of times they want you to do a run of 5,000. Um, right, would be- the minimums, yeah huge expense yeah um so long story short i, I eventually f- found this this um this company and another one in spain but i went with the one in greece things are a lot cheaper there um and and you'll and they'll still do you know four color process on on the big printing presses just like you would hear um but they are much much uh, more cost effective so right. i could do a run of i could do a run of 300 Right. Um, and I, I could do that and, you know, I could still be able to sell them at a reasonable price. Even, even now, you know, what's become the big, the big, the big issue with this is it's very expensive to ship these things, particularly if they're going over, go, going overseas, which when I do this again, um, you know, hopefully this was going to kind of be the first in a series of, of, um, yeah, that was, that was going to be my next question. What the plans are, right. And, uh, and are you planning on, yeah, doing this is, or? yeah, the, the piece is called wonder. Um, so the idea was that I'm going to continue to do these. I don't know what kind of format they might change, but the scale of them needs to, needs to be reduced. If I, particularly if I'm going to do self-publishing because shipping them, basically, if they're going back overseas, you know, it could be depending on where they go. I have a lot of collectors in like Australia. It could be $30 to Yeah, if not, if not $40, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I'm kind of, I was, I decided to, you know, eat that cost because um, I want them out there. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather have them out in the yeah, world. Yeah, I mean, it's just not sustainable, right? You cannot do it, for, you know, uh, that's basically the cost, of, right, of the, of the, of, of the zine, right? It, um yeah, I mean, and they are generally, I guess, if, if you probably yeah. asked, you know, a hundred artists, like, did you did you make money doing yeah. doing a book? You know, yeah. generally, you're looking to to basically break even. To be honest, yeah, you know, it's just the love of doing it. It's yeah. the love of wanting to, you know, create a physical piece of art. Yeah. Which is kind of how I how I look at it. Yeah, I mean, it's the bane of being an artist, right? It, it always comes down to that. It's uh, the, the money's a byproduct, but the really the real the true drive is that you know is that just that need to say something, uh, which is more which is bigger than you, right? You have you you have this compelling uh, feeling that uh, you know this work this work has to make its way into the world, right? 
And that's really the main drive, right? To, you know, to be a, a true artist, right? Is to really needing to, to get the story out. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm not, I'm not surprised at all. It's, it's just, it's the, it's the impulse to, to make. You want, to make, you know, yeah. you, the, the more, the more I have been working creatively, the more, you know, you just want to kind of spread out and try different things. And like I said, during, during the pandemic, I was really kind of flourishing um, in the ideas that I was having and, and the, the scope of things that I wanted to do. And, you know, the, doing a, doing a book or a zine was one of those, was one of those things that, that kind of, I had to do and I had the, had the time to do. No, it sounds, it sounds like it's a bit of, a bit of, not a trend. I don't want to call it a trend, but I'm definitely seeing it more, more often. And, and I'm excited because I really, really love the medium. So I can't wait to, you know, in my, in my case, start collecting them because it is, um, you know, it is, they are collectibles for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I so, have some uh, very, very expensive uh, artist books <laughs> in my studio. So right, right, right. They, they are collectibles for, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Gary, talk, now moving on to your photography, um, I mean, in your photography, there's this, uh, you know, there's a lingering feeling of our, you know, of our, you know, our struggle, our eternal struggle with, you know, what is the most elusive of elements, time, right? In your case, it's compounded even more by, you know, the, the vintage feel of the subjects. You know, when I look at your photograph, you know, there's that, um, that, that tint, that, that just overall feel of, of vintage, right? Of, of things past, of, you know, of, of, uh. Uh, of memories of lives you know been lived already right are your alterations your manipulation of the photography uh, is it a way to reclaim memories uh, as if it's the only thing that we can do and uh, that it's that it's the only thing that matters as humans or is it, or is it something else um not ex- not exactly I, I mean maybe on on some level that there there is that part of it that's that's a pretty heavy way of, <laughs> of thinking about it but um, I would say that um, I am uh, mainly just nostalgic, like almost to a fault. I am trying to stay more present, learning to be more present, but I, I, my brain tends to want to live in the past. I have an affinity for old things. Uh, I love the idea that you can connect with the past in the present by, by you know, nostalgia, by holding something old, by looking at architecture, you know, if you go to Europe and you're looking at these these architectural um, pieces that are, you know, so old you can touch them. So I, I, I tend to work in black and white for for a lot of reasons and have that vintage look. There is a feeling that I want to place the viewer in a moment of reflection. Graphically, I like black and white because it kind of breaks down images into shapes. Um, so your your brain isn't overwhelmed with trying to analyze color because color feels real. We see in color. Um, using kind of a, a vintage uh, feel kind of brings you into another space. So I'm not just using black and white just because you know I just like black and white. It really it really for me. I'll just say me. It places me. Um, into a place of reflection. There, there's something about paper, black and white imagery, nostalgia that that I want to I want to my artwork to kind of express. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's it's I don't know, man. There's there's just this connection with it, you know, and uh, and then those like you know those careful, not careful. They're 
well-studied, you know, applications of like, you know, color squares, color rectangles. And, uh, it, you know, it just brings a whole new dimension, a whole new life to the, to the, to the subject, to the photography. And it makes it so, I don't know, so relevant, so modern at the same time, you know, it's, uh, it's an, well, I guess that is the duality, right? Yeah. The, 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 the other, I guess the other thing too, that I'm trying, it's, I mean, it's a very subtle thing, unless you, I mean, at least in the way that I think about it, these, these images, every, all the images that I take, every, all, all the photographs that are in all of my work are taken by me. They're 90% digital photographs, um, but they look old. So, right. so they, are treat, they are treated to, they are, they are processed to, to, made, to be made uh, to look old. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there is the, there is an inherent idea that there is a duality just, w- just within that. These are contemporary images that look old. Right, um, right. So I, I like the I like the play between that. Whether whether someone notices that or not, or makes that kind of connection, a lot of the work, if you if you look closely at it, um, there's a lot of dirt. There's little pieces of fuzz. Like I'll I'll put you know I'll take a I'll take a photograph. I'll print out a digital um, negative of it, and I'll throw it around my studio. I'll I'll scrape it on things here. So it's actually it's picking up pieces of oh um, interesting okay my studio of contemporary life if you zoom in on it you'll see all these things so that not that someone would would think of it that way but it's it's a way for me to kind of capture contemporary time within the photograph within the image even though it looks old so i I did not know that so i I, so you actually capture all the subject those are all your i thought you were working with um you know just vintage photographs that you were that you were grabbing and then you know uh you know transposing it you know uh, digitally and then and then manipulating and altering so you actually you you own the whole process from the creation of the actual photograph then to the manipulation the uh the alteration and so on and so forth. Yes, all every every image you see of mine is is taken by me. There's nothing, yeah. there's no found images. It's it's completely uh, completely photographed. Most yeah. of the image or all of the images will come from a lot of images come from iPhone. Um, I do have a Leica as well. I've I've done some some large format stuff with 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 Leica with Leica um, cameras. But yeah, all all the images are mine. They just they just yeah. process yeah. them to look as if they're old, right, right. And Gary, the the nostalgia part, right? The the you know the longing for the past. Um, in your case, is it specifically your past, or you know just the past in general? You know the humanity's past, right? Um, are you you know trying to tap into your you know your own your personal uh, past, right? It depends on the piece. There are there are some there are some. Um, some works that are very personal to me. There's the the one piece. I don't know if you're familiar with it um, that I did for Fake Whale um, called Melting Stone. It's just yes, a, I did see that. I'm yeah, familiar with that. Yeah, that that piece in particular. Um, that's the beach that I grew up on. Um, yeah, maybe just you know a five minute walk from my house, and that that rock I've been taking pictures of for 20 years. Um, so that particular particular piece, you know, has, has a strong history to me, but other, other pieces are, um, you know, it could be, it could be a tree that I photographed in, in Italy or like the Galapagos series, um, that also kind of translated, um, 
from my gallery work into NFT, you know, that was, that was something I took on our, on our trip to the Galapagos. So some of them have, I mean, they're all, they all, I guess they all have a connection to my past because I'm taking the pictures. And so I can remember being in the Galapagos. I can remember, you know, um, being in Paris, taking a picture of, of a bridge. So in that way, they, they are connected to my own personal history and, you know, me trying to capture that moment, remember that moment. Um, but once I take, once I take the, the photograph and I put it out into the world, you know, I, it's not, I don't want, my hope is that the viewer will connect with it for, yeah. for their own reasons. Um, I don't, I don't feel the need to, you know, want them to, you know, connect with my, my personal reasoning. I mean, they can, if they want. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not the intent of it. Yeah. And, and I want to keep going back to the, you know, the idea of longing for the past, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm of the same way, but uh, I'm curious as to, in your case, right. Is it, um, you know, is it a longing for, a, you know, a, a different life, you know, the way life used to be? Is it, is it uh, long for sounds and uh, sights and smells that are no longer, available to us or you know you understand my question or is it something more i don't know more personal or more generic i think there, there's something a longing to be you know somewhere else a different time maybe there's i know as, prefer, what as preferable to the present as a uh, as a uh, a happy moment uh, uh, in life you know in, in one's life or a better world i don't know yeah there, there's some of that is wrapped up in 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 the way that I, I kind of think about things, I think that's that's part of the the nature of nostalgia is that you're always kind of looking to the past as kind of like a romantic right. remembrance. Things in the past are always you know more beautiful than than the mundane of of today. Uh, so I think I'm a I'm a pretty romantic person. Um, so I, I think, you know, oh, wow, it would, it would be amazing to, you know, live back in the time when, you know, I, I, I take this picture of, of an old bridge in, in Paris. Like, what was it like back then? You know, what, 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 was, the, what was the feeling like back then? Like that, that idea that, you know, were you, were you born in the wrong time? Right, right. Um, I think I, I mean, that's kind of dramatic, but, it, <laughs> you know, I do, you know, I do have that kind of, of, of sense sometimes. Yeah, no, listen, I'm sure it's a very, very common exercise, you know, <laughs> that, you know, that, <laughs> that, that us humans go through. I, I, I do that. I do, I do that myself. So not unusual at all, but it, yeah, it is a longing for, yeah, what, you know, what, what would have been like, right? Just, you know, and, and then obviously the, you know, the, the mind, you know, there's its own exercise trying to reimagine, you know, trying to imagine it and, uh, and color and so on and so forth. Okay, so Gary, moving on to, uh, I want to go back to your your your, your paintings. Uh, um, I spent some time really, really, you know, looking at the work, and uh, you know, for me, it, it it turns out to be like a, it's almost like a, a meditative exercise because there's a really uh, a, a stripping down of the uh, of the aesthetics, right? It's it's a uh, there's such a, a simplicity to the to the composition, to the uh, you know the overall you know the, the overall appearance of the work, you know, and I'm sure it reflects, and I'm sure you're gonna be uh, you're gonna discuss that. You you know you'll speak to the the inspiration behind and the vision behind it. But um, 
so when I look at your paintings, you know, I can't help but think of the, it's almost like a deafening <laughs> sound of, of, of certain silences, right? With, you know, those silences that make a lot of noise. That's how I see the work, right? But, you know, in a, the aesthetic is very Spartan, right? In, in, its, in its Spartan aesthetic, right? And the work still packs, you know, in my opinion, an amazing, amazing punch, right? You know, you say so much, you know, you say, you, you say a lot, with very little, right? You say so much with very, very little. Can you share with us what, you know, the artistic vision and the thesis behind, you know, the the, the work, you know, you know, the body of work that was done in that stage of your life, you know, when you were painting? Um, yeah, uh, I would say f for me, it's it's quite the the opposite. I, I look at it from, from the opposite angle. Um, Interesting. The deafening sound is, is the world around me. In my work, I'm trying to distill all that noise into a moment, uh, into a moment of calm, into a, a moment of stillness, moment of reflection. These, I think these moments are all around us. Um, it's seeing, seeing them, particularly, you know, today uh, in the world that we live in, seeing them seems to be getting harder and harder to do. And it's kind of funny, I mean, I'll get back to my paintings, but I was thinking of, thinking about this in, in a way web three um, might be the the hardest place for my work to be seen uh, you know the entire the entire system is built on scrolling and taking in as much information as possible as quickly as possible and I'm trying to get the viewer to stop and take a moment to slow down but as as far as my 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 work and or at least the the painting and of course the work that I do today, it is about it is about silence. It is about balance and and stillness. For me, my I've learned over the years that that my painting and my artwork is is a way for me to kind of control all that to 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 make a place um, that's that I can block out all of the external noise, all the the noise in my my head. Um, you know, there's 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 a lot of stuff in my mind that that is distracting, that is pulling me in a lot of different directions. So I've realized over over the years that that artwork and, and making work that is centered and, and balanced, even if even if my compositions, um, I'm using the Galapagos series because that's one that people can can see as an NFT or, or who are familiar with my work probably know know that series. Even if it's you know the weight of a of a massive weight of an island on one side, you know a thin little small line on the other side can balance that out. So that balancing in in my work is is a way of me trying to balance out the the noise in in, in my mind, trying to reconcile trying to reconcile those things as a way of of trying to control it, I guess. And, and, in a way, um, it's funny. I, uh, I, I mentioned this to you when I when I was when I was first reviewing your your paintings. Um, I was playing Bex. <laughs> I don't know if you heard if you if you if you heard that album. I think it's called Morning Morning Phase. Yes. Uh, I just felt like it was <laughs> the perfect soundtrack to take <laughs> in the work. You know, it was just like so so you know so in line with that. Um, it was a perfect musical reflection of of the art. Um, and so it made me think, like, so if you had a mood board, right, um, in your studio, like, you know, really where you would just put all your inspirational, you know, whether it's articles or books or or visual um, imagery or anything, like, what, what would be on that mood board in your studio? 
My own board would probably you know, just like the, the the one that designers have, you know, where they put all their uh, inspiration I, for the season. I would my mood board probably would just be white. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, my! I, I, to be honest, I I would say my my studio is my mood board. The 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 entire thing is is a mood board. I am very purposeful in in how my studio looks and feels. Everything in it visually has a has a purpose. I really see it no differently than than my artwork. It's just another manifestation of, of who I am as an artist. Um, so the I'm I'm wanting to in regards to like a mood board, um, I expand that to to my entire my entire space. Um, yeah, because I I really I want to be surrounded by things like I said earlier, that kind of influence me, remind me of places I've been, things that I've done, the person that I was in the past to things that I've done, you know, now. Books that I've collected, I can see them all here. I've got my, my dogs are here. Uh, you know, all, all, of, all of the things that I hold dear that I can, you know, I can, you know, I haven't looked over here. I have, I have some, some necklaces that I made while I was in India, you know, so that can instantly kind of take me back to that time, that feeling, you know, uh, postcards that I might have on the wall, um, a little bottle of something, a mug that, that I made, you know, in, in high school or, you know, all those, all those things kind of add up to a feeling that I think you're, you're that mood board, that, that, that space kind of gets, uh, put into the artwork, even though no one can, no one can see it. Right, um, right. But what you're saying, they eventually all they all make their way into the work, right? It's because uh, it's a it's it's the sum of your parts, right? Exactly. Um, right. Exactly. It's it, it, it's the life that you know, it's the those things that you've collected throughout the years that have been that you've, you've created throughout the years and that uh, you know summed up, you know, add up, you know, add up to your what you know what your experience, your life experience is. Yeah, there's, there's kind of going back to that, that show that I was telling you about in, in 2010, the, the long year, yeah. there actually was, um, you know, I have my wall of, you know, thousands of things. A lot of it is just like, I put something up just because I like it. It may not be something that um, I am gravitating towards at the time, but one of the things that I had done in grad school was I, I made a bunch of um, paintings on paper. So I get a, I get a book page, which I started was kind of a theme that started in grad school was, was collecting books, um, old books and using those, using those pages that have like this built in history, almost like a self portrait skin almost. Um, and I would paint on those. I'd put maybe 20 of them on my studio wall and kind of as an exercise, I would just start painting on them. Maybe I would, tape them off and make very precise lines. Maybe I would kind of do a swirl in the middle, different colors, different layers um, as just an exercise. Years later, this is maybe 10 years later, I had those pinned on my wall and I was doing my, doing this, getting ready for this, for this show. And I looked at those pieces and I went, huh, they just all of a sudden had this different gravity to them. And I thought, well, instead of, instead of, you know, a found object that I would paint. What if I started making my own objects and painting those? 
So that whole series was about those works on paper that I used as kind of the seed image that I would then paint uh, trompe l'oeil on, on the paintings, um, if that makes sense. And so I would, for that, for that show, I actually had the, the acrylic painting uh, on, one, on one wall and then the framed work on paper next to it. So there was kind of this dialogue that was happening. But in that way, you know, as far as like, you know, a mood board goes, like my studio being a mood board, you know, I, I look upon the wall and I might, one day I might look at something and go, holy shit, that's like, that's a really cool color or that's a cool something that kind of sparks my brain um, and use that in something, you know, maybe taken an image 10 years ago and, and, but now it has different resonance and that, that's, that's something that happens with, with photography for sure. Like there's, you could take your picture on your iPhone and, you know, I'll maybe put a, I'll bookmark it or something. Um, and then maybe come back to it, you know, years later. And it, it has, it has a different significance because it's time has passed. Um, I'll do that with a lot of my, my photography. Like I took a, a trip to Sicily a couple of years back and I have not. Oh, you did? Looked, yeah. I have not, I haven't even looked at those images yet. Oh wow! So is, is that is that where your grand your grandparents came from? Uh, no, my my grandparents came from Genoa up north. Oh Genoa! Oh wow! Okay. But so I have you know there's a there's probably there's probably you know thousands of images that I have not actually looked at yet because I want I do want some time to pass. Wow! Um, okay, so interesting. I can yeah. Of, <laughs> I can kind of see them with with fresh eyes and be excited by them, kind of anew. Yeah. How long? That was two years ago. You said. Uh yes, my memory. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Let me let me look at my wall, find something yeah, that yeah, reminds yeah. me when the hell I was there. Right, right, right. Yeah, um, I think it was like two years ago. Yeah, you're treating it like a good vintage bottle of wine, right? You're gonna open it at the right time, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> One of the conversations that usually comes up in uh, you know in 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 my you know in my talks with the artists, right, is the the the, the concept of identity, right? And now you know sense of place, you know, uh, uh, shapes that, right, informs that, right. Um, you were raised in Northern California, right? You were born and raised there, right? Yes. Um, I'm just curious to understand, you know, how, you know, how that, you know, those places, uh, those experiences have shaped your, you know, have shaped your existence. I would say without a doubt, um, where I grew up particularly um, was paramount to kind of the work that I do, um, the person that I am. I mean, it may, it may it may vary from person to person. Like if you, you know, if you didn't have a great upbringing in the place you're at, maybe that's something that, that you try and you want to get away from, but I, I still think it's like, it's an, it's impossible for it not to have a mean, put, have a, have a profound impact on, on who you are as a, as a person. I mean, mine definitely did. Uh, I, I grew up about 30 minutes um, south of San Francisco on the coast in a small town called Monterra. We lived on a dirt road with, you know, there was nothing but a, we were the last kind of road um, in town. So in front of our house was just, you know, a big open, you know, golden field. And we had the mountain range in front of us, uh, the ocean to the left. So there was the, the smell, the, the salt air was, was, was pronounced um, as a kid. I would you know, spend hours, you know, just wandering alone out in the landscape, you know, in bed at night, just listening to the waves crash, um, that, that rhythm, you know, wow. the, how can the, one not be nostalgic of that? Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, all, can you all, not miss that. Yeah. 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 All, it sounds all amazing. 
yeah, I mean, all these things and, and, you know, the place, the place that you grew up for me in particular was, you know, the, the rhythm of nature, the, the, the openness of where, where I grew up there, we were kind of free. I feel very fortunate. You know, we were, we were free to just run around and stay out and, um, you know, really no curfews. The doors were, you know, unlocked. The garage door was open. Um, we could kind of just go out into the world and right, right, you know, right. it was, it was a very free and expansive time. Um, yeah. My, uh, I, my mom actually convinced my dad to, to move. They lived in San Francisco. That's where my, both my parents grew up in San Francisco, actually a block away from each other. No, uh, they didn't. They didn't meet until um, my mom was a senior in high school, and my dad was a couple years out of out of high school. But my mom didn't want to raise me in the city. Um, okay. she, went, she 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 just thought that that would not be good for me. My dad was a city boy at that time, so he kind of you know begrudgingly went around, mm-hmm. along with my mom, um, and it ended up being like one of the best things that yeah. that could happen to to him and could happen yeah. to me and. You know, I feel very fortunate to to have grown up um, in that place and that time uh, was was very magical, and I can I can see it along with along with other things that we would do. Our family was really big into outdoors, camping, fishing, hunting. You know, a lot of our um, vacations would we would go up to this place called Fish Lake up near Humboldt, up near you know. Oh wow, Humboldt, yeah. And we would spend two weeks just out in the woods. We would we would we would camp. We would go fishing. Um, we would just play around on the lake. So, you know, openness, nature, the landscape, um, all those things. Um, to this, to even now, I, I still go camping. You know, I like to go. Do, I go with my cousins or, or friends, but I, you know, one of the, my favorite things to do is just go camping, bring, bring, bring one of my dogs with me, yeah. um, you know, and just go out into the wilderness and just be surrounded by, you know, um, the magnificence of, of nature, you know, that's yeah. So, my spirituality, I would, I would yeah, say. Yeah. So it sounds like actually it's been a major influence not only uh, not only in your work but also in your in your in your in your in your, in your persona right who you are right the yeah. you know yeah for sure now do you revisit the place do you go do you go back uh, is there anybody anybody left there or is everybody moved on or to where uh, i grew up yeah yeah um unfortunately my parents sold my house okay uh, <laughs> yeah uh, when when my parents retired um my mom, once again, where I grew up um, in that town in particular, it gets, it's very foggy. So in the summer times, um, as in San Francisco, it can just be, it can be just months of fog. Uh, so as a kid, I always thought, you know, there was no sunlight in, in summertime. You know, you know, we had to go on vacation to find, to find sun. Um, wow. Um, Oddly enough, I'm one of these weird people. Like, I love rain. I love cloudy yeah, yeah. days. They, to me, are just like the best days to be creative, be in the studio. I, I, I love. I oh, love best rain. life of photography, right? Best. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I love it. I love it. When it's yeah. sunny out, I don't like it. I, I, I yeah. Oh. 
outside or it just doesn't feel right but it's like not nothing interesting like, about it <laughs> yeah today's today's like super cloudy so it's it's yeah. a perfect time to be here but my mom yeah. when they when she retired when they retired she's like i don't i, I want to be i want to have warmth i don't want to be you know gloomy all the time so they ended up um moving up near yosemite which is we have relatives that live up there that was another place that we would vacation. Um, we would rent cabins up there and, you know, go fishing and, and hang out up there. So they ended up retiring, um, selling the house in Montero, which was really, really hard for me. Um, I had so much connection to it. I, I always thought that I would, would live there at some point, but it ended up ultimately being, being, I won't say good. It would be it's, it's a different, a different aspect in life. So living up in the mountains, there's, there's trees, there's lakes. Um, there's also a lot of nostalgia up there as well, since yeah, we yeah. time with uh, my relatives and cousins and uncles up there. Uh, my grandfather, who I spoke of earlier, um, he had a cabin up there. So there, there, there was a lot of that, a lot of memories up there. So moving from, moving from the ocean, like kind of half my life at the ocean, and now this, you know, second half of my life moving up to the mountains, um, it's been it's been uh, just as uh, powerful, I would say. Yeah, has the community changed uh, down in? Uh, is it's Mon Montero? Is that what it's called? Mont Montero? Yeah, Montero. Montero. Is as as the community changed there? Does the landscape changed uh, in the last twenty? Yeah, years? it has. Um, it's changed a lot, and I don't know if it's necessarily for the better. Um, it's a small town. It's gotten. I go back, you know, I, every once in a while I'll go back. I was there maybe two months ago and I visited with our neighbors that still live, um, no. <laughs> live behind. Those are the best. Yes. Um, which was, God, I would almost get like teary eyed talking about it. Cause you know, yeah. uh, the, this one, this one couple, um, that lived behind us that were, they were, they're, um, hippies, uh, to say the least one of the most influential um two of the most influential people i would say growing up yeah they were, they were artists they were hippies they you know they were they weren't they weren't married they were just living together they right, built right. their own house once again it was it was this idea that life could be different than kind of the norm yeah. um so actually um, his wife um, passed away quite a few years ago but I was just driving by his house and there he was. And I jumped out and we, we hung out for like three hours. Wow. It's <laughs> kind of bullshitting about the old days. And yeah, yeah. I could remember, I have pictures of me as like a five-year-old black and white photographs of me, you know, little Gary standing, you know, in this room. <laughs> now I'm, you know, now I'm grown up Gary and, yeah. you know, we're all getting older and, you know, I can have this conversation with him. So it was, um, I go back there. It, it's, it's, it's a bit sad to be honest, um, yeah. because you know not only you know the history of the place that I that's there, but the town itself has kind of gotten run down. I think you know being on the coast, things get worn down a lot. The the weather is not kind to salt water is not kind to wood. Yeah. Um, so you know I still I still love going there. It brings back brings back a lot of, a lot of memories. Um, but I think ultimately it's probably, you know, my mom made the right move again um, to kind of move out of there because even our street is a little run down. I think my my mom, my dad, when he was alive, probably would have just been going 
you know, crazy the way, the way that things kind of turned into a lot of renters. There wasn't a lot of, yeah. Uh, he probably would not be happy. <laughs> right, 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 right. Mom, so um, it probably was a good yeah. thing. I almost thought the the opposite would have happened though, like almost like you know the, the you know people coming out of the city and just moving there. So bigger developments, you know, bigger mansions, and uh, you know, overall, you know, gentrification in general. Yeah, that is odd that 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 hasn't actually happened. I I think it might because it is be commutable, that. right? It's only fifty miles, right? Yeah, so people exactly. could do it. Perfect. It's really it's really that town is is literally like five minutes or five minutes, thirty minutes from San Francisco. Um, you could be in San Francisco and then, you know, be be out on the coast. I, th I think what might maybe it'll change kind of the next generation, because I think what's happening is my parents and the, the, the generation that kind of started in um, the 70s, that was those were new houses and they were bought by you know people like my parents. Then they were sold, maybe either sold or or the parents pass away and are moved or given to the children, and the children still live there. So nothing's kind of been updated. Uh, I mean, there, there's a few a few houses here and there, but for the most part, it's I guess in a good way hasn't turned into just a bunch of mansions down there. <laughs> we, we we might have just uh, created a real estate opportunity investment opportunity right <laughs> anybody well, wants to act well on, anybody wants to act on it yeah just go to montero california exactly. and start buying up some of that land <laughs> some of those properties there beautiful place uh, it's a very beautiful yeah place. i can imagine yeah so gary i was um you know going through your work i came across a project and it was hard to decipher like really what the essence if it, i don't know i don't know if it was something that was started and not completed or something is in the process. Uh, I'm referring to drawings for Sylvia. You know, it's very intriguing, at least the, the, the aesthetics of it. Uh, um, anything to share about that project? Yes, yes. Um, that is a project um, that I started about a year ago and then kind of just got lost in the shuffle of, you know, this project, that collaboration, something new comes up. Um, I am very... Uh, painfully particular. Um, so I've been very slow at, at getting this, um, getting it going. Um, but like I said, it's, it's, it's been something going on for about a year now. Um, I'm actually very close to the first, first drop. Um, I'm actually oh, thinking, wow. yeah, I'm actually thinking maybe, maybe next week, maybe. Oh, maybe. really? Oh my God. Wow. Um, but like, everything has to be perfect. It's almost annoying how much of a like a perfectionist I get. Like sometimes yeah. it kind of slows me down from just letting something go. Um, but it's actually the first project um, I've done in Web3 that was specifically born out of the intent of becoming an NFT. Um, you know, of course, I've, I've made NFTs. Um, I made work to become NFTs, but um, that work is kind of, based in the artwork in my studio that I, you know, I've done, you know, IRL. Um, but these are, these are drawings I've done completely digitally on uh, my iPad. Um, I was actually on vacation for a couple of weeks last summer and was getting frustrated that I would be away from my studio. Um, um, and I'd seen one of my favorite artists, um, NS Derig, um, working um, with Procreate. Yeah. Um, so I asked him a little bit about it and he told me, oh yeah, you know, this is what you can do and blah, blah, blah. 
so I started playing around with it. And so I brought my iPad on vacation and I was like surprised how instantly obsessed I, I got with it. It had been a very long time since I actually sat down and, and drew something, um, something I did a lot um, uh, when I was younger. So this whole series, Drawing for Sylvia, Drawings for Sylvia, um, are uh, drawings that I've been working on um, based on photography, based on my own photography. Um, as far as the name, um, Sylvia is my mom. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so she's the daughter of the Italian grandfather that I spoke of yeah. earlier. Yeah. Um, and she is one of, um, one of those, um, that I, one of the people that I get probably my, my biggest artistic influence from she's also, she, she's fine now, but she's, she's been very sick for a long time for, for many years now she has bladder cancer. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about her and what she means to me. Um, and she's really one of those people that fostered my creative process from a younger age. Uh, and I always love to tell this story when we're, we're talking about like the past and, and influences and stuff. So she, um, and like one of my very first influences when I was just like a little guy, like maybe five years old, um, her and her girlfriends had a China painting business. So they would get, you know, white plates, mugs, um, and they would do drawings of them, names, um, you know, with pen and ink uh, on these, on these um, plates and mugs for like a wedding or birthdays. Right. Um, so as a little kid staying home with my mom, um, I would be, you know, she'd give me a, a chipped plate or something or a mug and I would sit down at the table with, you know, three or four other women and my mom and she'd be, give me a pen and ink and I would, you know, start, you know, drawing on these plates. And it was one of those foundational moments, um, I think that you know, got me to, you know, learn about, you know, how to, how to use um, line weight, you know, how to use pressure, how to use tools, you know, if you, it's hard to control a pen and ink. And as, as a kid, you know, if you put too much pressure, you know, you're just going to get a big blot of ink. And it really kind of cemented my, my interest um, in, in, in art and making things. I always loved like making my drawings and putting them with a little small kiln downstairs and, uh, you know, seeing the, putting the work in there and seeing what happens when it came out. So anyway, so she, so she's one of those people that really fostered that, that early drive to create. Um, so that's kind of where the name comes from, what the yeah. kind of this was uh, for, for doing, for doing this work. They're, they're going to, they'll be, um, the idea is probably going to be that they're just going to be one of ones. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Probably on Tezos. Uh, mm -hmm. And then there will be a physical print that will go along with 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 the piece. Um, the okay. first one I might have an addition go along with it, since it'll be the first one. We'll see. Yeah, that's um, a good idea. Yeah, yeah. But um, and it's happening yeah, soon. So, you said you're thinking about doing it pretty 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 soon, right? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm working. I'm I'm getting one last piece for it, particularly for the print. Um, there's something I'm trying to. More and more with with NFTs in particular, I, I'm I'm becoming interested in in doing the NFTs, but also a, a print. I, I like the idea of that um, those, that combination um, because just in in my artistic life, like having prints, working on working on paper is kind of fun. I like to make things, print them out. I have stamps. I have embossing things that I'm kind of adding 
adding to the print to kind of make it a unique object. Uh, just something that's that's interesting to me and, and um, just kind of one more um, part of, of the process. Yeah. And Gary, let me ask, since you brought that up, like, do you, would you use anything like NFC technologies to sort of to, to attach to the physical print that would link it to its uh, NFT counterpart? If I knew what that was, maybe I would. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. It, what I, think it's, I think it stands for near field communication. It's like those, they're literally tags that you apply to the paper, right? To the printed piece. And then you through apps, I think there's one called NFC tools that you can um, you can connect it to the to the NFT, right? Actually yeah. now that you mentioned that I a long time ago I was talking to somebody. He was this is before I was into NFTs and he was talking about something like that to attach to paintings, like the back of your paintings that could somehow be yeah connected. yeah it uses RFID technology I think so it's you know huh I'll have to look into yeah. that because that could be yeah. interesting yeah especially if, you know if you're going to treat it as sort of like one in the the NFT with the print piece together it, it might make sense to link well see now that. I have to now I'm going to have to put off the drop <laughs> you got to postpone for another two weeks now <laughs> never mind never mind put it out because we want. <laughs> We, we want to see this. Hey, Gary, we uh, we have a question from one of our uh, listeners, which you know, Why uh, Sigma Toad. She has a question for you. Yes. And uh, she said, almost all of Gary's artwork is static. However, there is one piece called Portrait of the Man, which is minted an object that is animated. It's it's a it's a GIF. Uh, what brought the change, and will we will we will we be expecting more animated pieces in the future? Um, first of all, high wise. It's actually, it's called Portrait of the Many. Of the um, Many, okay. Yeah. That piece was born out of the, the idea, I mean, as, as, the, as the title implies, Portrait of the Many. There, so there, there is motion to it. I've never done motion before. Um, and I wanted to kind of um, portray the idea that through the, there, it, it rotates through very subtle color, color changes that represent to me represent the many and it was a it was a piece that i had done um for the value art at a solo show with them recently um so i wanted to have something since they were gonna have a you know digital displays i wanted to have something i love those guys uh, what's it called value value art yeah yeah oh no i was um, thinking about, i was thinking about i was talking about i was thinking about verse sorry apologize yeah the two 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 different two different equally um great great people on both sides i've worked both of them i i love their i love the vision they're really i feel like they're really pushing the frontier of nfts and physical spaces and what the future can look like um in web3 so both great but this was for value art i had a, a one um, something called they do something called solos so they set up their their physical um gallery with um with artwork so I felt like it was an opportunity to kind of show something that had motion, like I say, which I've never done before. Uh, so that that piece, Portrait of the Many, was kind of my first foray into um, trying that. And like with the aesthetics of my work, the transformation, I don't know, maybe people, a lot of people might not even have noticed because the, tra the, the transition between colors maybe takes like three to five seconds to kind of move from one color to the other. So if you're just kind of looking through, you might just see it looks purple, you know, and that's uh, it. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but if you watch it, you'll see it slowly kind of moving from color to color. So the idea being that this one this one shape can represent many people, many colors in a very direct way, kind of thinking about, you know, my my um, 
my experience with NFTs and the community of, of that I've that I've met and the people that I've collaborated with, Wise being one of them. Um, she's in Australia, so you know, you I've met a kaleidoscope of people from all over the world, from many different backgrounds, um, many different languages, many different colors, um, and I think for 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 that piece, I kind of wanted to. Um, represent that um in a work yeah um so is it an isolated incident or do you see yourself you know kind of coming back to it i could see myself coming back to it um i mean one of the one of the things it's just not a a vocabulary that i am i am comfortable with um the technology and and how it kind of how it kind of works strano if you're familiar with him he's the one that actually optimized the piece for me shout out to (laughs) him for, for helping me navigate that because i was just like how the hell do i do this <laughs> yeah um, you know so he really helped me out with it uh but it's really it's a really a space that i feel like nfts are are meant to handle um, yeah not just yeah. you know a static image that um you know you you mint and, and that's that you know nfts have this innate ability to really show motion to show um, something that kind of um, can just loop, and you know, NFTs were for to me like I look at it and I feel like NFTs were were made for that. You know, even maybe more than than any other expression that you could, and, you know, my work included. Um, yeah, yeah. That you know that you can take advantage of that. So I don't know how that will kind of uh, work. I'm trying to you know add another. <laughs> another project <laughs> list. Um, well, but yeah, I, I, think there, I think there'll be more. I think there's, there's, there, that's an exciting avenue to take. Yeah. I mean, well, did, did you enjoy the process? Was it a, a positive experience for you? Yes. Ultimately it was, it was positive. I, I, I think I was a little, maybe because I'm not familiar enough with it and maybe people don't see my work having motion that, I wasn't sure if it actually came across in the way that that I was kind of hoping, but you know, we'll see. It's 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 something I, I definitely want to explore. I'm just not exactly sure. Yeah, when, yeah. I want to go see it now. Where's where was it minted? What platform? It's on Tezos. So it's oh, the, it's on it's Tezos. Actually, okay. Uh, yeah, it's actually the the last piece that I minted. Oh, um, really? So okay. If you go to my object profile. You'll you can yeah yeah. See, I'll, see it I'll definitely look it up. Two two circles. Um, yeah. The background is actually a, um, yeah. a, a what do you call it? The Rorschach. Of, oh, yeah. If you look yeah. at it, it's a landscape um, that's kind of a Rorschach in the, in the background. Wow. Well, Garrett, listen, an hour and a half into this, that's pretty amazing. It, it flew right by. It's, this is great. Uh, did um, did we cover everything on your end? Anything else you think we need to touch on or or share with the audience? Anything that I missed? No, no. I, don't, I, I, I would say just, you know... Maybe just to to wrap up on the the NFT on the NFT front, just I'm really one of the one of the one of the things that I love most I love most about it is the opportunities like that we're doing today. You know, as as an artist kind of growing up in in a non NFT uh, world, um, you know, being able to connect with people, being able to connect with artists, collectors. Um, you just didn't, or at least someone like me who's like, you know, very introverted, you know, I, I didn't really have a lot of those experiences. And to kind of have 
have Web3 NFT, the community here, you know, and, and people like yourself, uh, you know, you have, you have a gallery and, and, and um, you're a collector. Uh, it's, it's really a, a wonderful thing, I think, that, that um, to, to explore. So, I, you know, thank you for, yeah. for having yeah, me. Yeah, I know. And, and, and you have a very impressive network of, of friends and fellow artists and collectors. I mean, yours is a great community, but that, that's why we do it, right? That one of the, uh, the amazing thing about Web3, right? The fact that it, it allows us to create these sort of like, uh, you know, worlds, you know, these networks of friends and, uh, you know, they become family after a while, right? People that you and maybe you never met in real life, but uh, nonetheless, they feel as real and as close as, um, you know, any any IRL friend or family member, right? So Yeah, for um, sure. And it really, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it's even with collecting and making NFTs, like anyone, anyone with a computer and an internet, internet connection, you can, yeah. you can, you know, you can buy their work, you can um, yeah. connect with them. And, uh, you know, that's the, the, the wonderful thing about it. So, yeah. And it's global, cool. global and 24 seven, right? Like exactly. literally all well, the entire world. That's a good, that's a good and bad thing. You know, that's yeah. maybe that's, that's yeah. for another conversation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, as much as you want to partake in it, right. There's always somebody, uh, uh, there's always somebody up, right. Cause if it's Asia, it's uh, Europe, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, Africa, it's, uh, it's, oh, US, it's North America, calling, yeah. which I struggle yeah. with a lot to be, a <laughs> yeah. Disconnect. Yeah, always on. Important to disconnect, so, everybody. <laughs> Very important to disconnect. That's right. Get some right, quiet that's space. Right. That's you know, right. get we some all... quiet space, be alone, be bored, you know. <laughs> All those things are very, very important to the creative process. Yeah. So, Gary, listen, we're going to end it with the question that I that everybody hates, but I ask it uh, anyway, right? Because I just <laughs> like to ask it. The, so, Gary in one, Gary in five, and Gary in 20 years. So, uh, let's see, June 27, <laughs> June 27, 2024, where's Gary? Um, Gary is probably right here in this chair, uh, hoping that Tezos is back above $1 by then. <laughs> That's, that's, Where are that's, we now? Point point seven eight. Where are we? Seven? I don't know. I hope. I think we're we're hovering yeah. around eighty cents right 80, now. So. Eighty cents. Okay. Uh, maybe in a year we'll be back to a dollar. That's that's where you'll find me in a year. Uh, five years. Um, hopefully, you'll find me back in some IRL galleries. Um, that's something that um, we really didn't dive into, but um, I've been showing in galleries my entire career, but. For the last few years, for for a lot of for many reasons, haven't been doing that. So I really miss I really miss the the some people probably be yelling at me for saying this that have grown up in the, the NFT world. Galleries kind of seem to be you know the the bad guys, but I I love showing in galleries. I love um, participating in in that world. So hopefully, you know, in five years, I'll be back showing showing my my physical work in galleries doesn't preclude, um, you know, doing NFT stuff or anything like that, but kind of want to get back into that world. 20 years from now, let's see. Uh, <laughs> I, be just, I just got through. back from Italy or Japan or New York, um, carving little little sculptures, maybe little Buddhas out of, out of wood or stone in my studio somewhere in the woods, maybe overlooking a, a lake or an ocean. Uh, maybe in a house that my partner and I designed and built, got plenty of land around it, enough that I don't have to hear or see any neighbors. Uh, I got my dogs with me, maybe waiting for like a fire pit to get hot enough to cook some fish that I caught earlier that day and 
grow some veggies uh, from the garden. That's that's where I'll be. Go find me in 20 years. I, and hopefully I, there's an internet connection, of course, so I could be minting NFTs. Of course, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like the humblest of dreams but uh, and vision, but at the same time, it's also the most, sounds like the most uh, accomplished, <laughs> you know, the, the most the most fulfilling, you know? I've so, given it a little thought. This wouldn't be the, yeah, the first yeah. thought I've thought about 20 years from now. This is great. This is wonderful. All right, Gary, listen, thank you so much. Uh, again, I was very much looking forward to, you know, meeting you in person, uh, although, you know, on a video. And I'll really look forward to meeting you in person at, at some point. But, uh, yeah. uh, you know, thank you for joining me. I was really looking forward to this conversation. This was a, a wonderful conversation. I wish you wish the best, you know, and uh, look forward to the zine coming into the mail. And, yes, um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you can at see me turning right? red right now. Oh, shit. I'm going to get that out. <laughs> in the spot for it, right? But, it's uh, just me. It's just me. This, you know, I'm yeah, it's all. a one-man one man operation, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so thank you again. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, everybody, see you next time. Uh, I'm Michele Colonna, your host, and uh, see you on the next episode.